Our second reading comes to us in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verse 1 through 18. We are still with the Israelites who are now out of Egypt and are in the wilderness. Listen to the story of God. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam. And Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and you have your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. In the evening, quails came upon and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given to you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs. An omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our gracious creator, our redeemer, and giver of all good things. Amen. To catch us up to where we are in the story of Israel from where Dr. Tara spoke last week to where we are today. Last week we heard the story and she talked about how Moses receives the divine name of God. And after he receives the divine name, he receives a call to go out and lead the Israelites from Egypt out of slavery. 
And that has happened. The Israelites have been rescued from Egypt by God. Wonderful and terrible things have happened. From the plagues that have come upon Egypt to passage and salvation through the Red Sea. God's saving action has reached into the world and saved the Israelites, drawn them from slavery to freedom. And now the Israelites are journeying through the desert to the promised land, the land God has promised them. They have crossed from the bustling metropolis, the center of the world, Egypt, into the barren desert. And after spending some time in Oasis, they had to move on, and now they're in a place of hunger. A place with no food and no water, and they are terrified. The whole nation is hungry. I think it's really easy for us to sit back and be kind of annoyed with the Israelites. You know, didn't you just see God split the Red Sea? Didn't you see wondrous acts? But have we ever been in a place where we truly lacked? Where we truly didn't have enough food or water or shelter? It's a terrifying thing and one I think we must be empathetic to. This nation is scared they're going to die. Parents are afraid that their children will starve. Aunts and uncles are watching their nephews and nieces grumble with hunger. This is where the nation is at, and they are panicked. And what do we do when we're terrified, when we're scared? We find someone to blame, right? We blame other people. The people turn to Moses and Aaron. They blame them for taking them out of Egypt, out of security. But here's the thing. Even though the people are complaining, even though in their fear they blame someone else, even though they lack faith, even though they forget God's previous wondrous acts, God still hears them, and God still provides. God provides in a spectacular, miraculous way from manna to quail. God addresses the terrifying reality of food insecurity. The children of God ask, they don't even ask, they complain, and God still answers. In providing, however, God does ask something of the Israelites. God asks that every day they would gather only what they need for that day, only what the families can eat. And if they gather over, if they don't gather enough, they still have enough for one day. Why would God do this? Wouldn't it be more prudent to gather up as much manna as possible, to store it away, to put it in silos, to max out their 401k, just in case one day they may need it? No, God wants the Israelites to trust in God's goodness that very day and every day following. As the text says, in the evening you shall know that the Lord brought you out of the land of Egypt, and the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord every day. So the Israelites gather their food every day. Every day the monotonous, droning, repetitious act of going out and scooping up manna, scooping up this bread of heaven. There's nothing new in the activity. It's something they must do every day. God wants the Israelites to do that, to acknowledge with gratitude the everyday blessings in their life, to remember God's goodness. And don't we have those things in our lives that we are just grinding through? 
They just seem to reappear every day, no matter what. Maybe it's like changing diapers, where it's no matter how many diapers you've changed, there's another one waiting in the wings. Maybe it's grocery shopping, where it feels like you just went yesterday, and already you're back at Kroger with those mind-numbing lights and the top 40s pop that's terrible, and you're just there getting through it. Or maybe it's simply waking up in the morning and the act of going from horizontal to vertical just feels exhausting. I had a boss who was in his 70s who admitted to me one time that they just hated brushing their teeth. That after 70 years of doing it morning and night, they were just sick of it. They hated doing it over and over again. For me, I don't love commuting. I know some people enjoy it, some have peace. I hate it. I don't enjoy doing it. It's probably because I've had so many cars break down on me, I'm sure it's going to happen this day. But during the pandemic, when we couldn't gather, and it was terrible, and it was sad, and I would drive in to the church at 6.40 a.m. on my daily commute, I listened to my favorite local radio station. I'm sure we all have one. Mine is WJAB, Smooth Jazz and Cool Vocals. And Sunday mornings, they play gospel. I love it. Well, WJAB didn't have a DJ throughout the pandemic. They couldn't have someone come in. And instead of someone making a new playlist, they decided, how about for a year, we play the exact same songs at the exact same time. And so for a year, as I drove in, when I turned on from... Oakwood to Andrew Jackson, the song Fear and Faith would begin. And when I turned from McClung onto Lincoln, it would end every single Sunday morning. And initially, I was annoyed because I didn't even like that song. But it was on every morning. But as I started to get in the rhythm, to think about the words of the song, to think that this is a time to worship God, that this is it time to look at the fact that I do have a car and it hasn't broken down? And you know what? Even if it broke down, I would be okay. That I was going on my way to a job that I loved where I got to worship God every single day. What a provision from God. And that's what this text is calling us, that we can turn our monotony into worship our frustration into praise. God goes as far as to call us to find comfort and joy in those repeated actions because those repeated actions are actually gifts from God. God's comfort and grace become evident and worship exists. In the drone of our everyday lives, the grinding out day after day, we get to find joy and happiness to realize those activities are a gift And this, this is who our God is. A God of gracious provision who turns our emptiness into fullness. God turns the wilderness, a place of desolation, into a place of miracle. A place of scarcity into a place of abundance. A place of terror into a place where faith and trust begin. God and God's graciousness provides. And we see that over and over throughout scripture. We see it 
in our passage, right, where the Israelites are hungry and scared, and God provides manna. We see it when Hagar runs into the wilderness after being abused by Sarah and is scared, and God comes to her and gives her the blessing that her son will be a nation. We see it when Moses runs into the wilderness, terrified that the Pharaoh will kill him. Instead, he finds God in the divine name of God. It seems that when people are at their lowest points and their fears, God shows up and provides the greatest gift, which is God's presence and God's provision. Sometimes I think what we need is a perspective change, a new way to look at things. You know, recently, much to the joy of my wife and the Goodman household, we went from dark green vinyl countertops to a lovely white stone. And when we did that, I realized something. I spill coffee every single day on the counter. And when it was on the dark green, you couldn't see it. It was fine. But on that pure white, oh my goodness, it is there every single day. And I think that's what we're called to do. I realize this is a silly analogy to compare the graciousness of God with a coffee spill. But two, if we hold the background of the coffee spill of God's graciousness to the dark green of the world, which says you deserve everything you get, you've worked hard for it, it's yours, as opposed to the white, gracious, goodness, loveliness of God, and we see that it's only through God's provision that these good things come, we can't help but respond with gratitude. That boss that hated brushing his teeth told me, though I hate brushing my teeth, I remind myself every morning and every evening when I don't want to brush my teeth that I have teeth. And that's a wonderful gift from God, that I have teeth to break down the nutrients of my food, to taste my food. And what a gift that is. What if we looked at our daily lives not as burdens to be overcome, but instead as provisions from God? Church, every day we go out to gather manna, to gather the bread of life, to live lives God has called us to live, to care for our friends and family and colleagues in church, to do the work and the toil we must do every day, but let us remember we're not just surviving. We're not just getting through the day. We're gathering manna, receiving and gathering God's provisions and gifts every day and all that we do. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.